Hi, and welcome to this week's From the Vault episode from the Magdalene House podcast. The Magdalene House is a recovery community for alcoholic women, known affectionately by many as Maggie's. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas. In our From the Vault episodes, we share past podcast releases from our four podcast series, Recover Ed, Studying the Steps, Recovered Interviews with Alcoholic Women, and Hope for the Family. Our podcasts aim to connect, inspire, and educate alcoholic women, loved ones, and the community to the Magdalene House and the services we offer. Please note, the curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. All right. So, step 12. I love step 12, and I've been kind of thinking about step 12 a lot lately. Really, just I don't know, it's kind of been coming to life for me in a new way. And so, step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. And I didn't introduce myself. I'm Nina, um, very grateful recovered alcoholic. I've been sober since January 5th of 2015. And step 12 is actually funny story. Step 12 is actually the one step that really scared me. And also when I first got sober was kind of my, like, "Mm, I don't really want to be a part of AA. And I don't think that, um, I have the I don't think I have the experience to actually do step 12. And so what I thought I needed to do was um, instead I came up with my own plan of working my own step 12. And for me, that was, um, I was going to go and be helpful at church. I just, I really couldn't imagine myself helping another alcoholic. I didn't think, you know, my story was good enough. I didn't think I was, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel qualified. And so for me and my experience, I, that was kind of my, um, where I wasn't willing to go to any lengths. And I kind of just stopped doing AA for a little bit and I got really involved with church and then I relapsed and I was really frustrated because I thought that step 12 was just saying that I needed to be helpful. And I've come to learn a lot about step 12 since, um, since that relapse and since reworking the 12 steps all over again, as I had to do um, when I started reworking with my sponsor. And, and the, the 12 step or the step 12 has three parts. So the first part is having had a spiritual awakening. This is a huge promise. It is the reason why I'm so excited to be a part of, um, this program, because I always say, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing this if, if this hadn't come true for me. Um, I always thought that Alcoholics Anonymous was a group of people that got together every day and they talked about their day and they talked about how they didn't drink that day. And they patted each other's on the back and they went their separate ways. And, you know, they went to, you know, coffee on Tuesdays and sober softball on Thursdays, and they stayed connected enough and busy enough with one another that they didn't drink. But I thought that the thought of drinking would always be there and that you, you were just kind of keeping your hands busy 
and, and not picking up that drink. And the reality of what this step is promising me is that I will have a spiritual awakening as a result of working these 12 steps. And what that, um, I think there's several parts in the book where it talks about it, about what a spiritual experience is and what a spiritual awakening is. And, um, I believe that a spiritual awakening is something that kind of builds upon itself, right? So I feel like a big, you know, spiritual awakening moment that I had in my recovery was realizing that, oh my God, like I don't, I haven't thought about alcohol in days. And this was probably about three months into my sobriety. And I had worked the 12 steps quickly and I kept wondering like when that, um, when that voice was going to go away. And I remember my sponsor early on just told me to keep my head down and keep doing what I was doing and that it would, it would come. And to be sitting, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was sitting at my, my dining table. I was talking with my roommate and um, all of a sudden it just hit me that I hadn't thought about alcohol in days and that was huge. And so that was kind of like one part of the spiritual awakening, but I feel like my spiritual awakening continues to grow. Like I continue to have these spiritual experiences that allow me to see my life and my recovery in this new way. And so I always like to, when I go and carry this message, which is another part of step 12, when I, when I go and carry this message, I try to really emphasize that, like, I don't, I don't come and my, my, one of my um, commitments is a uh, treatment center. And I go there every Thursday. I have been for I don't know, like five years, there was like a time, I guess it's more like four with, with 2020 shutting everything down. And then like a little bit of time that it took me to get there and a little bit of time that I took off, but I've been going there for a while. And what I always say is like, I don't like, I don't want to go do that. It's not something that I ever feel like doing, but I know that part of my recovery is to try and carry this message, but also because like I get some, like I, like part of that becomes a spiritual experience for me. Like I, I never, I never walk away regretting that I did carry the message. I never walk away, you know, thinking, oh, what a waste of my time. I mean, even last week, for example, um, I had, I didn't have anyone there for like, it was like 10 after when it was supposed to start. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait for it to be, you know, uh, 15 after. And if nobody shows I'm out of here. And so I'm kind of getting excited about that. Like, (laughs) and then I have a group of like four guys roll in, you know, I'm like, oh dang, there's no ladies here. But, but I, I sat there and I, I, you know, shared my story and, and I got to be there and I didn't regret it. Like that, like it just like, there's always, I feel like this having had a spiritual awakening is something that continues to happen. And it's just, it's the best part of this program. Um, It's the reason why I continue to be actively working a program today is because that rearrangement of my thoughts and my ideas, that spiritual awakening is, is something that I get as a result of doing this program. And I have very much um, had the experience of, of not doing that and experiencing what it looks like to not work step 12 and kind of 
I, I really think the consequences of that in the sense of, you know, at like about three years into my sobriety, I thought, oh, I don't need AA anymore. Right. And, you know, I know I've, I, I know everything this book says and I know what I'm supposed to do and blah, 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 blah. And the next thing I know, I'm thinking about how, like, maybe I don't, hey, maybe I'm not an alcoholic, right? Like that's the insanity of this and, and why step 12 is so important for me and for all of us. Right. I mean, I think there are probably some people that can work all 12 steps and walk away and go, you know, do like go to church and then they never drink again. And that's awesome for them. But like, for me, like I have to continue working 10, 11 and 12 to the best of my ability. And so the other parts of step 12 are we try to carry this message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all of our affairs. And I love what the, um, the book, promises us around step 12 and in working with others on page 89 it tells us that practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics it works when other activities fail this is our 12th suggestion carry this message to other alcoholics you can help when no one else can you can secure their confidence when others fail remember they are very ill something that like i know that is important and that I have learned to kind of convey what, whether I'm going to a commitment or working with somebody who is newly sober and, and wants to um, jump in. I know that um, I have to um, continue to work this program by carrying this message because this simple promise that says that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking. And I think, you know, they, they use the language um, intensive work with other alcoholics, because while carrying the message is part of this, the reason why I carry the message to begin with is not only to, to share like how this program has worked for me, but to find someone that is desperate and willing to do something and really doesn't want to be drinking the way that they are anymore. And they're at a point where they are ready to, you know, do something different about it. And so that's an opportunity for me to intensively work one-on-one with another woman taking her through the 12 steps. A lot of times the women like to hear how you take somebody through the steps. And so do you mind sharing about that first? Okay. Yeah. I love, you know, what does it look like to take someone through the steps? Because I always, especially with women that I've worked with and when they get to a point where I'm like, you're ready for, to sponsor. And they look at me with like, you know, deer, deer in the headlight eyes. And they're like, what? I don't think I am. And I never, I never really feel like super equipped to take someone through the steps. I am constantly, I mean, um, especially because sometimes we um, have, you know, where we're, we're taking somebody through the steps and it's pretty regular. And, you know, as we know, not everybody who goes through the steps or who starts to work with us is going to, um, stay on. It's not my job to keep them sober. It's not my job to, you know, call them and, and see where they're at and what they're doing. And, um, I mean, if I think about them, I can reach out and let them know I'm thinking about them, but, but my job is to let them know that I'm here to show you through this program. Um, and I, I 
I still call my sponsor whenever I get a new girl, right? So um, I haven't had a, a woman to sponsor in quite some time. And um, I think something that I've learned about sponsorship is, you know, at first I always thought that, you know, that my sponsor just knew everything and that she was just so smart and so recovered and so perfect. Um, and I think that's normal for us as we, especially early in sobriety, we come in and we see somebody who has something that, that we really want and we really admire that person. And we kind of put them on a pedestal in a way, but the reality is, is that when I am taking you through this work, when my sponsor is taking me through this work, we are walking hand in hand. Like this is not, um, you know, she's not on a, a plane above me. I'm not on a level above anybody that I sponsor. Like we are in this together. And, you know, I always thought for the longest time too, that when I was calling my sponsor to make a 10th step, that she was kind of doing me a favor by answering the phone and talking to me. And now I know it's so like, and I see it and I experience it in my own sobriety and working with others is that it is just as much about me connecting with God in that moment as it is the woman who's calling me. Like I need that phone call just as much, if not more than the woman who's calling me. And I never like saw that until, you know, my sponsor started to, kind of point that out to me and, and kind of be really open and, and share that, like, when I called, I was getting her out of self. And so, you know, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to know what we're doing and do it perfectly and, you know, not mess it up and so on and so forth. And, you know, this, what we're told right after we, we get the 12 steps on 59 and 60, it tells us that this is about progress, not perfection. You know, we get so wrapped up in, you know, doing it right or doing it wrong. And, um, you know, it tells me that, that nothing matters as long as I'm, I'm willing. And if I'm willing to continue to work these steps to, if I'm willing to um, be, you know, redirected by my sponsor, if I'm willing to, you know, go do that thing that I don't want to do, if I'm like, then like things happen and whether I'm, I'm messing something up or I say that with, you know, air quotes, because, um, I really, I, I can't mess things up if I'm, if I'm trying to work this program to the best of my ability, will I have to make an amend sometimes? Yeah. 100%. Like it tells us that in our, morning meditation, like, you know, sometimes we have these ideas that we think are like, you know, inspired by our higher power and we're being directed to do this thing. And then we like, you know, kind of hurt somebody or, or, you know, twist something in a way, but I still have an opportunity to like reconcile that. And so the same is true for, for working these 12 steps with, with a new woman. And so when I get a new woman, I always just ask her, I, I, you know, it's usually after, um, carrying the message. And so I've done a lot of talking about myself and my experiences, and I will typically, you know, ask them like, what, what makes you think you're an alcoholic and I'll let her talk and, you know, just listening to her and we'll just kind of maybe ask her some questions because something that is probably, I think the hardest part, um, of sponsorship is this initial part of qualifying somebody 
um, to make sure that they're an alcoholic, you know, like there's not going to be like a, oh, like surefire way to do that. But it is really important to make sure that before you get into the work, that this person, um, you know, understands a little bit about where they are in their drinking. They have to understand that they are, um, that they've tried to quit and they can't, um, you know, cause sometimes it's really easy for somebody to come into treatment and for the first time and think they're an alcoholic and really they just kind of had a tough spot and needed some therapy and needed some time away from drinking and they can go back to, to life as they were living it. But, um, so I do, I do that and ask them some questions and, and to the best of my ability. Right. And I can always call my sponsor and ask her and share with her. But after, you know, talking with her, I say, okay, you know, go ahead and start reading from the very beginning of the book to page 44 and call me tomorrow. And, uh, this is where I lose most people. <laughs> uh, people are like, what? I got to read. And I have a girl right now who, um, she's been sober for, I don't know, six months. And, uh, she hasn't worked the steps and uh, she doesn't want to read the book. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't like, you got to read the book. I don't know. Like, I don't even know if you're an alcoholic. Right. Um, and so this kind of, again, like gauges their willingness because a lot of us want to get sober, but the difference between want and willing is the action that's behind it. And so if I, you know, find somebody who is willing to get sober, she's going to sure as heck call me the next day. And so from there, you know, we set up some time to sit down and talk about steps one, two, and three. And, you know, early on in my sobriety, I remember like calling my sponsor and being like, okay, how do I talk to my, this girl about steps one, two, and three. And it's so funny because I went through with my sponsor and I like highlighted all of these things that I was supposed to like read with her. And so that's what I did for the first few times. Like I just, to the best of my ability, I, I told her my experience and what was in this book. And, um, again, like I, I, I think I had my first, the first one that I worked with, um, I don't know. I feel like it was like a year in, but still, I felt like I was at this point where I was like, I don't know anything about this book. Like I didn't know how to, to chair a meeting. I didn't know how anything like that. And so, um, you know, once we sit down, I can call my sponsor again. Like I am staying really close to my sponsor through this process. Um, even now I'll call my sponsor and be like, okay, remind me how I'm supposed to do, uh, give the direction for, you know, inventory or whatever it is. And, and, um, I talk to my sponsor through each part of going through this and, it works. <laughs> it works itself out to where I don't have to be in so much fear that I'm going to mess it up. Because if I am convinced that I'm a real true alcoholic and I've worked this program, and as a result of working this program, I've had a spiritual experience or had a spiritual awakening, that's like all the qualifications I need. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to have to go back and like be like, oh, I told you this thing wrong. Like, I actually meant like this. And that's like part of, I don't know, like, I think it's like part of learning humility. It's part of learning reliance upon God. It's like, it's part of the whole process and taking that woman through the steps is an opportunity for me to get closer with God. Because honestly, I hate, I shouldn't say I hate because that's a strong word. I really don't like taking a new woman through the steps because you know what? It takes up a lot of my time. And that's just like my selfish and self-centeredness. Like I would rather um, you know, 
be doing my own thing because I know when I get a new woman that has to go through the steps, like we're going to have some intensive work ahead of us. And it's kind of, you know, becomes this little like part-time job and like, not like 20 hours a week. It's far less than that, but, but it's uncomfortable. But what did I do in the third step? I said that I would be willing to go to any lengths and I made a decision to, to continue through with the rest of this work to the best of my ability And that includes step 12, which says, (laughs) which is intensive work with other alcoholics. And not only is it like, that's the thing that is my insurance policy. And so um, my advice to like anyone, whether you're, you know, like freshly newly sober and you've worked the 12 steps and you're like, you know, a month or two sober and you're like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Or you're a year and you've worked the 12 steps and you're still waiting. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I also don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And, um, I know more than I did at those points because I've, I've had experience in practice. Um, and I think that will get, you know, I'll get more experience and practice over time, but like, you never feel ready. (laughs) You never feel qualified. And, and if you do feel qualified, um, and you do feel, you know, it, it, to me, that's like a, a sense that maybe I'm like kind of putting my ego into it a little bit. So yeah, I hope that was helpful on working with others. Yeah. Um, I, can I ask you some more questions and then like, mm-hmm. if you guys have a question, you can uh, speak up or type it in, but I'm just going to ask like just things in, um, and so just to let the women on the call know and listeners that, um, just because Nina does it a certain way doesn't mean that it is the right way. Uh, we probably do things differently and neither one is wrong and neither one is right. But I just want to kind of see what it is that, that you do. Do you have your sponsees call you every day in the beginning? Yes, I do have my sponsees call me every day in the beginning. It was what I was told to do, especially because the part of whether I'm working with a woman who is reworking the steps um, and has been sober and just, you know, moved here, wanted a new sponsor for whatever reason, or I'm working with a a woman who is like days sober. It's an opportunity for us to get to know each other. It's an opportunity for um, her to get comfortable talking to me on the phone, because guess what? I hate, um, I hate talking on the phone. Um, And, but it's kind of this way of just kind of building a relationship because um, we're about to get in and do a lot of digging and um, this is an intimate process. And so I think it's a big part of getting to know one another, but also just to start like building accountability in the sense of like, I've been um, whenever I was you know, drinking, like my whole life had no structure. Like, yeah, I, you know, had a job and, but I didn't have any sort of like structure or accountability. And so this is a way for me to kind of start building um, some structure and accountability, help, help a new woman build some structure and accountability in her life, as well as get to know each other. So a long answer for that. No, I love it. Cause I mean, I do too, but I think it's always good to hear the reason why behind the answer. If you or someone you know is a woman who wants to sustain and grow in her recovery, check out our three-month non-residential program. 
Next Step offers community structure and accountability to any alcoholic woman at absolutely no cost. Everything we do in Next Step, from the assignments to the accountability group, is to help alcoholic women not only stay sober, but thrive in her recovery. Because we have both in-person and virtual options, we can help women from all over the world. To call into a phone screen to see if you qualify, call 214-764-0793, extension 500. Uh, Mandy said that she has a couple questions to ask. So Mandy, you want to you ask? Yes, thank you. Um, this isn't about sponsorship. Hi, Nina. It's so good to see you. Hi, Mandy. Um, Nina and I had a really good conversation with another group of ladies about carrying the message. So um, I have two. It's a two-parter, Nina. So first, what would you suggest um, women who are newly sober um, I know a lot of commitments are six months. You have to have six months sobriety in order to carry the message. What would you suggest for women that don't have six months under their belt yet um, to get out there and, and carry the message? That's a good question. Thanks for asking, Mandy. So part of what I did when I first got sober was I, um, my sponsor just had me tag along with her to her commitment. You know, I think that's a huge and, and, and easy way to, yes, I understand that like a lot of treatment centers require six months of sobriety. However, I think, you know, it's really important to do like get your feet wet in any way that you can. So if your sponsor is local to you in the same vicinity, this is a lot easier to do is to just say, hey, sponsor, can I tag along with you to your commitment? and do that um, while you don't have six months yet. And that's a way for, um, for me, that was a really a good way for me to see my sponsor carry the, carry the message and learn how she was carrying the message and be just kind of like noticing what she was doing and what she was saying. And she gave me the opportunity to share and speak, even though I'm sitting there like, ah, I don't feel qualified, uh, <laughs> right? Cause that's how we always feel. I don't feel qualified. And just kind of taking baby steps in. And then, you know, if for whatever reason your sponsor isn't local and or, you know, is in a season of life where that's not a, a possibility or I know there's a lot of restrictions right now just with um, the way the world is that we can only have a certain number of people. I think another really good thing to do is to to show up at Maggie's. I mean, that's what I, I spent so much time at Maggie's early in my sobriety, just sitting in on meetings. And yes, they are the same meetings over and over and over again. But going in, I mean, we want to be like, ah, I've heard this before, you know, I've heard, I've heard so-and-so speak, I've heard so-and-so speak, I've, you know, but what you like having, I think it's such a blessing for, you know, whether you're local to um, the actual house or, you know, just jumping on zoom meetings, like you can start to see what it looks like to, to talk about the steps, right? Because a lot of Maggie's in person, or a lot of Maggie's meetings, especially the ones in person, all the ones in person are focused on one, two, and three. And that's a big chunk of what you're going to be doing when you're carrying the message, like going in and listening to, you know, different speakers, you know, talk about things in different ways, it's going to like build up this understanding and almost like, you know, you have this, these like things in your back pocket. And I always like, like I've learned so much of what I, I say 
through listening to other people. Like whenever like I go and like carry the message and especially when I do like speaking engagements or whatever, and I'm talking about, I'm like, I am regurgitating like just things that I've heard. <laughs> like, this is like not, and they're like, Oh my God, you know, but I'm like, this is just what I've heard. And so, you know, if going with your sponsor to a commitment is not something that you can do, I cannot recommend enough just going to different um, meetings at the Magdalene house and taking a notebook and taking notes. And, you know, if you're given the opportunity to share, to share, because essentially, and I love that, you know, obviously through the next step program that y'all get to learn how to chair a meeting. So that actually is a, a cool thing that y'all have that I, I don't think that a lot of places have where you can kind of learn how to, to carry the message. But for me, I think an opportunity to be helpful. And also I think just like staying close to your sponsor on it, because, you know, your sponsor can help direct you to things that you might not know about. I know that some places have like lists of where they carry the message. Um, but also like, there's a lot of things that like aren't published where, you know, we need people to help us carry the message and we're just like telling random people. So asking your sponsor is also good. So I hope that was helpful. Thank you for your question. Very helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, so my next question is kind of the same, but a little bit different. What about for women who are newly sober, they have a month or two, and they haven't fully worked the steps? Um, in order for to be of service, what would you recommend? So I think because being of service is, I think there's a lot of different like takes on what being of service is. Because I know just personally, like, the way that I was raised was that like being of service in um, my home group or um, in the recovery community was not to substitute my step 12, because <laughs> I think that's really easy to think. And so it's this thing that like I do addition in addition to, um, and, and being of service can look like so many things. And for me, like one way that I was able to be a service to my group early, early in my sobriety was, and I was so annoyed at my sponsor was to go and like greet people. I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to greet people. Cause I was, I think I had 10 stepped and I was like, Oh, I feel like I don't have any friends at this group and you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, great. Well, I want you to go, um, start getting there, you know, 30 minutes early and you're going to be greeting. And there's like no like sign up to greet. I mean, I don't care what group you go to. There's an opportunity for you to go stand by the door and be like, Hey, welcome. Hi, I'm Nina, you know, like nice to meet you. And as, as you do that for a while, you'll start to, you know, make friends, you know, know people. And then you'll start to realize like, I've never seen this person before. Hello. Are you new? You know? And that's like one of the easiest ways to be of service um, early in sobriety, I think is just kind of doing that. I mean, there's always, you know, ways, you know, whatever your home group is, even like, I know for, for me, another thing that I learned to do was just like help with the coffee <laughs> because when a meeting is over, you know, everybody kind of is ready to go home or go out and, and smoke and socialize. And a way for me to be helpful in my home group was to help clean up the coffee and put it away. There's all these little things that, you know, it's, I think, being of service is um, a way that like 
what I love to do is I love to do something and then be recognized for it. Right. Because like, that makes me feel so good. Um, and that's part of my selfish and self-centeredness. Like it's, it's, um, I realized like that was the reason why I was like overly nice to people was to be liked by them. Like I want to do things because I want recognition and what being of service is, is it's, it's doing something for no recognition. <laughs> it's, it's showing up in, and, you know, I mean, like you could be of service by picking up trash off the ground in your neighborhood, right? Like that was something that I was talking to my friend about and during the pandemic and with everything shut down and, you know, all this stuff, he was like, I just started to go out and like pick up trash in my neighborhood. There was no one to like thank him for that. That's kind of the whole purpose of this, like being of service. So I, I hope that was also helpful. And then also too, I think there's always, 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 always volunteer opportunities at Maggie's and you definitely can be as we know like fresh out of the house fresh off the the street whatever to to sign up and and just do something to help thank you so much that was really helpful you're welcome thank you for your questions I want to say too I've got the privilege of filling in for Kelsey while she was gone at an accountability group and we were talking about talking to newcomers after the meeting and these women had about, you know, two months, maybe three months, maybe one month sober. And I was like, well, why don't you just go up to him and say, hey, how are you doing? My name is so-and-so. Can I get your number to follow up and check in on you? And I'm just so glad you're here. And they were like, you make that sound so easy. And I was like, they're just as afraid of you as you are afraid of them. And so, Nina, whenever you were talking and you're like, ah, I still get, you know, scared. And I still talk to, I like tell a sponsee all the time too. Everyone is afraid of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if we so true, I know. And we can still get in that way. And so if you just, for me, if I just remember that they're just as scared, if not more scared than I am, um, it kind of just makes it, I don't know, just makes it easier to, to go up to somebody and talk to them, you know? I, I love that. And I think like another like great way to be of service is to literally just, and I remember that was one of the times I had 10 stepped with my sponsor and she was like, go to Maggie's, ask a woman who's staying there, how she's doing, and then be quiet and listen. And I was like, huh, okay. And like, (laughs) you know, just like, it's, that's so helpful, especially, and I can't say this enough because it's so funny, like as people that are um, like, we have more years or whatever, I look back and I'm like, y'all with the one month, the two weeks, the like two months, like less than six months, y'all are so, y'all have so much hope to provide somebody that's newly sober because they're looking at you thinking, okay, that's not that far away from where I am. Whereas somebody that might have, you know, a year or more, it feels like a really long time. And so that is 100% a way to be of service to others is just to go and to talk with another woman and, and listen. And I love that, like getting her number to, to follow up with her. We all need a friend and we're all scared of each other. Yes. <laughs> I know like whenever I was newly, newly sober and like, couldn't stay sober, I would look at somebody like me with five years or like you with seven years, six years, how, how many years do you have? Uh, six. Six. Okay. six I, would, whatever. I would be thinking they're not the real deal. Like I am, 
That's what I would think. I'd be like, okay, you're sober because you're not as bad as me, right? Or you must not be a real addict or a real alcoholic. Now I know that's absolutely not true. But so like, I just, it kind of was like, I would just tune them out because they must not have the same problem I do because they're sober for a long time. And I can't stay sober for like two days. Yeah. (laughs) So it would be very easier. It would be a lot easier, very easier. It would be a lot easier for me to listen to somebody. Definitely. Like you said, like one month, two months, three months, because it's more obtainable for me at that point, for sure. And then, um, Mandy, I also wanted to tell you too, that this was a suggestion um, that sponsors would give uh, whenever I was working at the two four is they would tell their sponsees to bring up a pack of cigarettes uh, to the two four and be outside where the women are talking and ask them if they want a cigarette and then sit there and talk with them because chances are they want a cigarette and they're going to talk. That's brilliant. (laughs) I love that suggestion. Thank you so much. Does anybody else have a question? I do. I do. I knew you did, Elsa. What do you have? Hi, Nina. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Elsa, alcoholic. Nina, I'm so glad to see you here again. Well, my problem, I I think it's a problem right now. Because, you know, like when I was in Next Step, I was like with my sponsor all the time. So as soon as I finished with my sponsor, which is the first time in life that I have a sponsor, and it's not about my sponsor. I love her. But after I finished with my Next Step, I was like, okay, I have my home group. I work with everyone. I have I, my Hispanic home group is different. They have like six months service for coffee makers, for people who clean. It's for six months uh, service. So I was like, oh, I'm doing okay. That's what I thought. I'm doing okay. Maybe I don't need my sponsor anymore. But now I feel like I want to go back and like, but I don't know how to start. Do I just call my sponsor and say like, I don't know. I don't know, like, I don't know if she's already fired me. <laughs> okay, I love that question. I'm so glad you're here, Elsa. I'm so glad you asked that. It's so funny because we get into our heads about not calling our sponsor. There are times, not super often, where I'm like, oh, like, it's been, you know, a little while since I've talked to so-and-so. Like, I wonder what they're up to. But I'm not over here being like, oh, well, it is on day 48 and I have not heard from her, you know, (laughs) but I do the same thing where I get in my head about calling my sponsor. And, you know, the thing about that is like the longer that I wait and the more things that I think of, the heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier that that phone gets. And like your sponsor is not going to be like, well, gee, you know, I mean, and, and I mean, like I, I'm speaking for myself. So if you were to call me and it had been four months that I hadn't heard from you, I would be so happy to hear from you. First of all, knowing that you're sober, so exciting. Second of all, what have you been up to? Third of all, you know, either talking to you about uh, going through the steps again, or, you know, finding a new sponsor, or like, this is how we're going to pick off where we left, you know, whatever it looks like. I'm always excited to hear from somebody that I haven't heard from in so long, because I always think the absolute worst. I mean, honestly, um, if I don't hear from a girl for however many days or weeks, my mind goes to, well, shoot, she probably relapsed. (laughs) And so I just say like, call your sponsor, get connected with her. She is, you know, you've had, you've built a relationship with her and she'll be able to direct you to what to do next 
And I truly believe that she'll be happy that you're calling her. Thank you so much. Definitely. I will call her because I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely am going to call her today. Thank you for your suggestion. Thanks for being here. I'm glad you asked that. Thanks, Elsa. Okay, I have another question. Do you give your new girls like deadlines on when they need to have like a four step done or when they need, do you give deadlines? So I love this question. I am really glad. I'm really grateful. The first time I worked my four step with my first sponsor, um, she explained it all to me in one sitting. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I was like, I have this like page of notes and like, she just told me everything. And, um, and it was either right after we did our third step prayer or like the next time that I saw her and it felt like a lot. And so I did my fourth step. I don't remember how long it took me. I know I was like, so worried about getting everything in the columns. Like I did an Excel spreadsheet, like really silly stuff. Right. Like in just this, like, I'm very much a perfectionist. So And I somehow got through it and it didn't, I don't remember if she gave me a deadline or not, but the way that my most recent sponsor has worked with me and what I really like to do is um, with the woman that I work with now is I, for the fourth step specifically, because I think it's just so easy to, you know, make up 100 million excuses, to not feel like doing it, like all this stuff I do where I, right after the third step that we've done, I explain the first column, and this is only, this is only what I do. There's no like right or wrong here. Like you can, I used to get really tangled up in what people would talk about in their experience doing the steps, but she would explain the first column of the first list. So we, we read the kind of the intro to step four, and then we read about resentments. And then we just stopped right after it explained that we were going to write down people, institutions, et cetera, that we were Um, resentful at or angry at. And so she said, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and start this list. You're going to end up with four columns on this piece of paper and just write down all the names. And then once you've done that, I want you to call me tomorrow. And if you finish that early and you want to call me today, great. That's awesome. But I want you to call me tomorrow. And so what, what this did and what this does is it kind of, and she told me, she was like, if you call me every day, and you do each assignment for that day, you will have your inventory done in one week. So I loved that. I thought that was super like digestible for me. And I think doing this like column down, um, it kept me, it just kept me focused on the task at hand, as opposed to getting really into the details and the emotions and all that stuff. Right. Because what I'm told is that you know, step four is a fact finding and a fact facing process. So it really kept me focused on looking at the facts. And so I did that. I I did each assignment that she gave me. So it was the four columns for resentments. And then it was the fears list. And then it was my harms and sex conduct. And within, you know, seven days, I had completed my inventory and we were able to schedule our fifth step. And I thought, that is so helpful. So I, I continue to do that now just as a way to, I guess, like keep you focused on the task at hand as, a, as opposed to giving you too much to think about and digest and like, ah, and, you know, in addition to kind of having a deadline for that, also having a kind of a, a clear understanding and a clear expectation of when to, you know, complete step eight. So getting my, my list kind of ready to go. 
um, and nine, right? Because again, like I, I think that the two biggest like stall steps, like where I just want to stall and, you know, come up with excuses for why I can't do them are four and nine, maybe five too. But usually my sponsor is like, you know, helping me schedule a time. So it's a little bit more easy to be accountable to that. But step nine as well, like, you know, I, I talked to my sponsor about um, the amends that I was going to start with and, and when I would be getting those scheduled because I always, you know, shared that I worked the steps quickly within about a month and a half, I think. And I think it's so important for me to pass that down to the person that I am working with. And of course, like life comes up and, you know, things happen that are out of our control. But what I, I can't imagine is being six months sober and on step three, because I mean, that just, I mean, to me, I'm like, how, how are you still sober? You know, like I, I, and so for me, I think like setting up just expectations and, and sharing my experience, it allows me to be like, Hey, this is what was asked of me. This is what I'm asking of you. It's for your benefit. I promise you, you want to get to step 12. It's a lot more fun than being stuck in, in step four and, you know, wallowing over um, all of the self-pity that can happen if we, we wallow in it. So that was I love that. No, I, lo- I love that. That makes me want to, I guess, ask in the way you sponsor, how many sponsors have you had in your sobriety? I have had, it's a funny story, kind of, I have had three sponsors. My first sponsor I worked with for several years and the word like firing seems like such a strong term, but I remember I called her one day and it was when I was looking for a new home group, um, out here in Fort Worth. And I just like, wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't working a program. I was just kind of like, you know, piddling around and, you know, saying like, oh yeah, I was trying out this home group. And I tried out this home group. And what that meant was like, I was showing up at the last minute, like right when the meeting started and I left, like I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't. So I had that sponsor and she basically was like, Hey, I think it would make sense if you find a sponsor that you can be accountable to. So I found a woman who I could be accountable to that I was seeing in person. And so when she, when I asked her to be my sponsor, she asked if I wanted to do the 12 steps or if I wanted to do a word for the 12 steps. So I chose a word for the 12 steps because that sounded way easier than doing the 12 steps. And I liked that option. And so we did that and it didn't really work. I like share that that was kind of my experience of realizing that I needed to get my butt back into finding a sponsor to really work through the 12 steps with. And so I like technically three, but really like actively too. So would you say that the way you sponsor today is stuff that you've learned from that you've taken away from, from both? Yes. And I love, I was so scared and I think this is so normal. I was so scared whenever I stopped working with my, my first sponsor, because of course, like I was three years sober and I had worked with her the whole time. And um, I knew what she was like and she knew me and she knew my life and, and all this stuff. And what I really um, admired about her was that she was, she was really rigid. And I think that's what I needed. I needed like a no, no excuses. Like, like this is what I'm asking you to do sponsor. And I struggled because I couldn't sponsor like that. Like I, I tried. 
Um, and it, it just wasn't my personality. And so, you know, when I started working with my sponsor who I'm with now, she is, is a lot, we, we have more similarities when it comes to, I think, personality a little bit. And so seeing how she sponsors has, um, really helped me to kind of take that, what I learned from my first sponsor and combine it with what I've learned from her. And I like now have an understanding of like how I sponsor. And it's like, cause you know, I think it's really easy to see like the one person that you've ever known in recovery and you're like, I'm supposed to be like them. And, um, the cool thing is, is like, just like we're all like unique individuals with different personalities, all of our sponsors are unique and they have their own personality. They have like different things that, you know, they might do with their, their, the women that they work with, whereas others don't. And that's okay. Like you, um, that's kind of the beauty of working this program. And I always am really clear that when I start working with another woman, with a new woman, whether she's like brand new or, you know, reworking the steps, I always say, you know, this is not, if this doesn't work out for any reason, if you decide that this isn't working, it is totally fine. I like, all I want for you is for you to be able to work the program successfully. So if that means that it's not working with me, by all means, please go and find another sponsor. Um, I don't take that personally. Um, I mean, a part of me does, but that's like my own selfishness and self-centeredness that I have to work out with my own sponsor, right? Because I'm like, what did I do wrong? But the reality is like, that was what I was told in the beginning by my sponsor and something that like, I think is so important. And I think it can be this like fine line of being like, my sponsor doesn't understand me or whatever. And if that's like where you're at in the beginning, I don't know, it <laughs> like the, the most important thing in the beginning is to get through the 12 steps. And if you decide that, you know, the, the connection with your sponsor isn't working or um, if maybe she's too busy or, or whatever it is, then you can kind of look for a new sponsor. But, but yeah, so I love that I have taken things that I've learned from both my, my sponsors to know how to show up for the women that I sponsor now. And I think it's something that, you know, when I get a new sponsor, which I just, I think I will eventually, then I'll have that new experience to share too. And I just like, for me, it's like this way that I get to grow more in this program. So. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, I know I was, and I love how you brought up that we have our unique personalities and you couldn't do things the way your first sponsor did. Because uh, I tell a sponsee of mine all the time, like, if this program does not need a thousand Stephanie Crawfords, right? Like, one of us is, is enough. It's good enough. You know? <laughs> so you don't need to be a replication of me or of exactly you. Um, well, we have a little bit of time left. And so I was just wondering if you would talk briefly about um, practicing principles in all your affairs and what that looks like for you today. Yes. Okay. I was just talking about this last night. And, um, so the other day, um, last week, actually last Thursday, um, I am in a, a position with my grandfather where, um, I get to email him a lot and we, we like to go back and forth and he is very hard of hearing. So emailing is a great way for us to stay connected and it's just, it, to me, it's such a special relationship in my life because it's actually like my step-grandfather, but um, my grandmother who passed away um, back in 2012 um, was married to him. And 
he's moved down from Ohio. And I just, I really, I really, really value him and his relationship. And like, he is so cool. Cause he just like studies, he reads all these books all day and he's very into spirituality and just, it's, it's just so interesting to talk to him and, and listen to him. But so I was emailing him and I got an email saying that his son had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so terrible. And it's not somebody that I'm related to, but, um, my first thought was like, I want to be helpful to him. And I was like, maybe I can give him some of my like, you know, vouchers or like, I have like travel funds that I could maybe transfer him to him. And then the next day, um, my aunt texts me and she tells me that he like started a fire in his, um, grass and asked me, um, she said, you know, if you're not doing anything tomorrow, can you go visit him? He lives 40 minutes away, 45 minutes away from where I live. And I'm like looking at my calendar and I don't like really have anything. Like after two o'clock, my day was free. It was a Friday. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to go. And I like thought about that. Like that was my first thought. <laughs> I don't want to go because guess what? I'm lazy. Um, I also don't like driving. I also just like, I don't like being, I don't know, like my time is like, I don't like things on my calendar, even though like I put everything on my calendar, but it's it just so, it's so weird. But like, so I got that text and I knew that I could say, no, I'm busy. And my aunt wouldn't have thought to, to things of it, but my aunt is somebody who I like admire her so much. I respect her. I am so grateful for her. She took me into her home whenever I was drinking like a maniac. I had to, you know, make a huge amends to her. And I, I've honestly kind of had a more of a rocky relationship with her. And, you know, when I made my amends to her, I, I just kind of saw this as an opportunity to continue to be helpful to her and, and also to my grandpa, but really to her. Like it was like, so my response was yes. Like, thank you so much for asking me. Right. Like, because like I get to do this now, whenever I was drinking, I was not reliable. I was not, I didn't do anything I didn't want to do. And so for me, like this was the equivalent of like, I don't want to go to my commitment on Thursday, but I like, but for me, that was a way that I could practice this, this program and, and this principle and all my affairs. Right. And so, and I went and like, we sat on his patio and, you know, he didn't wear his hearing aid. So he couldn't really hear me, which is funny, but like, I just like let him talk and I listened and I got to hear like this, the sweet story of how he and my grandmother, you know, first met and started dating. And like, we saw deer on his property and we got to watch hummingbirds. And it was just this like, you know, I sat there for three hours, just being with him. And it was just such a, a, a special experience. And like, that is God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Me sitting at my house, I don't know, spinning my wheels, trying to work on something, you know, whatever it was that I would have done in that time would have been nowhere near as incredible as that time that I got to show up and be there for him. I think like, you know, it's, like, I love, I love that I got to do that. And I love that this program has given me the discipline and, and the, like, you know, like suck it up, like, you know, it's going to be fine. And I get to do it. And it's like, it like, I'm like, what a silly thing that I didn't want to go and do. And so like practicing these principles in all of our affairs, it is hard. <laughs> it is something that is uncomfortable. And it is something that 
requires me to be humbled. It's a, it's a process that requires me to be willing to look at myself and see some things that I don't necessarily find like, hmm, that's like not a great character trait, you know, like I don't want to be that. And it, it gives me this ability to show up as one of God's children outside of, of anything having to do with recovery and, and be more of this version that is not of my own making. And I just, I'm so grateful for that because like, you know, I, I got into because of what I thought was a drinking problem. Um, I did the 12 steps for, you know, the reason of like getting sober and seeing that this woman in front of me had nine years sober. And I just like, couldn't believe that she was happy. I wanted that too. And then like this program has given me every good thing in my life. <laughs> it has given me like the ability to, I don't know, like not stew in resentment, maybe for a little bit, but then like to like overcome that and like grow and like, you know, you know, see like some ugly parts about myself, but to be okay with seeing the ugly parts of myself, because bringing this to the light and talking with them to my sponsor about those things um, and doing these things in my life, like allows me to be like more of the version that I always wanted to be. Right. And so practicing these principles in all of our affairs, I think it's this program. I always say like um, is it's doing what I don't want to do all the time. And so if I can show up and continue to do the things that I don't want to do, and it's not to be servile or scraping or, you know, anything like that, but, to do those things that maybe the first thought is, hmm, I don't want to do that and be willing to do that. Like I get so much from that and, and like more than just, you know, sobriety and recovery, like I get life to the fullest. So that was kind of a long winded answer, but I hope no, but it was perfect. And it's a perfect, I think, ending for the, the podcast too. So thank you so much. And that was such a beautiful story with your grandpa. Uh, loved it and it's so good to see you so good to see you all of you thank you for having me yes all right ladies have a great day see you guys later this has been a re-release from the magdalene house podcast for our from the vault series we hope you've enjoyed this podcast tune in every wednesday for a new release from one of our four series to learn more about the magdalene house and the services we offer visit magdalenehouse.org or follow us on your favorite social media channels.